we call your mind brain. So many connections, so many trillions of things going on every moment you exist, and probably when you don't exist in your own mind brain. In any case, at KPCALP, we're online at kpca.fm. You can email kpca at pca.tv, snail mail, P.O. Box 2806, Petaluma 94953. Oh, my. I have to say, listeners, that the questions and comments coming in seem to come in waves, topically related waves. It's almost as if some kind of cosmic, or maybe it's in the news or current events, or maybe it's some other thing, creates clusters of questions that kind of fall together in the same topic area. Today's topic being disconnection, loneliness, dissociation, stuff like that, and feeling good at the opposite points of these things. And understanding what's going on if you or someone you know or work around or live around or love or don't love seems to be maybe a little lonely or disconnected or maybe undergoing more profound personality issues. Well, we'll talk about this. Now, you know, I mean, I have a significant background in research and also I've worked with several thousand people and their mind brains. So I I know... I know this material from the classroom and the clinical standpoint. But as you know, I raised questions. So I want to stick to the material and its valuable information, but I also want to expand upon it. For example, you hear me ask again and again, are you controlling your mind or is it controlling you? Is your brain doing what you want it to? Or are you doing what your brain is telling you to? And do these questions matter? I say yes. You don't have to say yes to get something out of this show. However, we're opening the door to these questions so that we can become a little bit more aware of what's going on in our heads. Yeah, I know a lot of you are very, very aware. However, no matter how aware you are, you can become even more aware. And this is a good thing. It's good to know what's happening to us, in us and around us, what's going on in our minds, and whether we are thinking what we think we are thinking, and whether we are behaving in the ways we wish we were behaving, and that are best for us, healthy ways, in other words. Okay, I'm going to ask you listeners a few questions, and before I start, those of you who are writing in, remember... You email your questions to me at drangelahour at drangela.com. That is D-R-A-N-G-E-L-A-H-O-U-R at D-R-A-N-G-E-L-A.com. And I'll say that again later, so grab a pencil if you're, oh, so anxious to ask me a question. Now, many of you write in and change your names or want your names changed because you explain you're writing these questions in to retain anonymity, to keep this confidential. However you describe yourself when you write in, I do change your name again, and I keep the age approximately what you say your age is, if you do, but maybe change it a few years. So you really relatively 
uh, immune from ever being detected. Unless you or someone knows you so very well, the person saw you asking me or writing me these emails. In any case, listeners, do you ever feel isolated, maybe just a tiny bit, or left out, or not part of things, or maybe no one wants to be with you, or do you ever feel maybe a little disconnected, whatever that means to you, a little detached, a little sort of not associating with what's going on around you, not part of your own reality, or that your reality doesn't match the rest of the world's reality. Are you feeling these ways, or do you know somebody who feels these ways, even here and there, on a transient or passing level, or maybe on an ongoing level? I've worked with so many people who come in and ask me questions about these states of mind, which they may experience once in their lives for a few moments or on a regular basis, momentarily, but again and again momentarily, or sometimes for hours at a time or weeks or maybe months. I want to remind you again, this is not a medical or psychological advice show or a spiritual advice show for that matter. If you are finding that your state of mind is affecting how you feel or work or function or live in a way that is not positive or healthy or does not feel good, for more than a little while, like such as a day, a week, a month, a year, see a professional Ask to have your situation looked at, discussed, evaluated, diagnosed. And again and again, I say this. If you can, please get more than one opinion. Remember, no matter how much we, quote, professionals, unquote, know, there's always more to know. No matter how much science gives us to tell you and work with about you and for you, the next day, science may know more. Or sometimes science isn't entirely right. I'll save that last comment for another show. It would take at least an hour, if not a thousand hours, to question science. Let's go back to my questions of you listeners before I go back to the questions you have written me. Do you ever feel all alone in life? Do you ever feel in need of company? Do you ever feel maybe that no one around you understands you? Do you ever feel that the people around you are not really around you? Do you ever feel like no one can relate to you or that you can't relate to anyone? Do you feel that these feelings, whatever they are, bother you a bit, keep you awake at night, make you maybe a little nervous or anxious, a little sad, maybe mad? Do you feel angry and you don't know why, while you're feeling a little disconnected from the world around you? Are you finding yourself uncomfortable with yourself? You know, we often talk about being uncomfortable with other people as one of the topics here under disconnection and loneliness and isolation. However, many people are just as uncomfortable with themselves as they are with other people. So keep that in mind when you think about this. Whether you or someone you know, live with, love, work with, are married to, are raising, if it's one of your child, children, child, children, or child, excuse me, you know what I mean, people, one of your children. The reason I did that is I was also thinking it could be one of your parents. Uh, and the, 
it blurred. In any case, if you or someone you know is, is feeling this way, look at the situation. And again, if it's a prolonged feeling affecting life, the quality of life for you or that person or others, doing mild or major harm to self or others, see a professional and get that diagnosis, feedback, evaluation, advice. Okay. Well, Douglas, age 29, I'm starting with your question. You wanted this answered so much, you actually emailed me the same question at least twice, I think three times. So, Douglas, your question is something a lot of people out there can relate to, especially in this ever more high-tech world. Douglas writes, Dr. A, he means Dr. Angela, I'm sure. (laughs) Hi, Douglas, this is Dr. A, Dr. Angela. Douglas goes on, I worked at home, I do work at home, and I have worked at home doing programming. I order all my food, clothes, movies, etc. online. I pay all my bills online. I hardly ever need to go out, and I don't go out. I hardly ever see anyone in person. In fact, these days I feel more and more disconnected from the world. I think of myself as kind of a hermit. Am I heading for trouble, Dr. Angela? Is something wrong with me? Wow. Listeners, you know that a lot of people's questions that that they ask here end with, is something wrong with me? Am I in trouble? Is something going on I should deal with? A lot of us, a lot of people out there are concerned about themselves, and that's good. You should be. It's a good thing to be, isn't it? However, Is something wrong with me is something if you are really wondering, again, see a professional. I am one, but I'm on the air. This is a radio show. See a professional in person and get more than one opinion. Okay, back to Douglas. Now, Douglas, you are one of many whose work is allowing him to work at home alone for long hours in a sort of technical or virtual reality a little detached sometimes, or maybe big-time detached from the outer world, from the interpersonal world. Douglas, uh, first of all, and I don't know that this is the order of importance of your question, but let me say, Douglas and all of you who have very isolating work lives, please consider building in right into your schedule as as demanding as your work schedule may be, make your schedule to get away from your work, away from your technology, out of your house, out of your apartment, out of your office, out of your building. Make that schedule part of your work. In other words, to keep working like you do and to stay emotionally well, it's very good to build an interpersonal, live, direct interpersonal engagement, interaction, contact. Yes, machines can answer us. Even real humans can answer answer us in virtual time. However, that is not the same experience. Some of you are wondering how this show on loneliness, detachment, isolation, etc. started right off with this unusual form of work at home in a cyber reality and never get out of the house question. However, This is becoming globally more and more of an issue. (laughs) Now, Douglas, I I want to say 
that, of course, I'm sure your work is fascinating, and it's a very important part of our world today. However, just as true is true with handling poisonous chemicals, there are hazards to your form of work. No more hazards than other jobs and perhaps fewer hazards than some jobs. However, be aware of the hazards of this kind of isolation. Now, you've mentioned that you are alone a lot. You feel hermit-like. You feel disconnected. You've asked and mentioned some real buzz questions. You've thrown in some real buzzwords. We're going to talk again and again during this show about being alone and being lonely, not always the same, about feeling isolated. And yes, your hermit-like is, is sort of part of that isolation. Feeling disconnected. We may get to even possibly the long, far end of this sort of problematic dissociation from reality. Okay. So what I'm going to do, Douglas, is bring other people's questions in as I talk about some of the the phrases you've used in your question. Let me start with, quote, alone a lot. <clears throat> Jeannie, age 37, writes, I grew up the only child of two working, hardworking parents, divorced. They were super career people. Most of the time for me, I was alone. I was alone in my room watching television or using whatever it was I had to distract myself from being alone. A lot of the time, I just stared at the wall. Sometimes I drew pictures. I didn't have many friends, and whatever these things are these days they call play dates, no one had time to arrange them for me. So there I was, sort of alone, living in my own world. Well, that was then, and this is now. Now I'm 37 years old. I've never had a significant relationship or even a long-term relationship. I have no real friends. Nobody who would call my, me a best friend or a good friend or even a nice friend. In fact, I don't feel I have anyone I can count on, she adds. So, she says, she, by the way, she adds, she mentions work also, but she sounds like she leaves her house. I just go to work and then come home every day. I don't do much else. How do I know if this is okay? I'm not very happy, but I'm not very sad. I just feel a little bit blank. I'm alone a lot. Okay, Douglas, you mentioned being alone a lot. Janie has also mentioned being alone a lot. And many, many of your listeners, you listeners out there, your questions mention this being alone. Now, being alone and loneliness are not always the same thing. Some people are lonely and don't realize they are lonely. Others are alone and are quite satisfied with the time alone because they're fascinated or engaged in what they do when they're alone, or they like the quiet time. Understanding when being alone a lot is moving you in a direction, whether it's emotional loneliness or a form of sense of detachment from what's going on out there. So it's another form of loneliness. It's kind of a detached lonely Understanding when being alone a lot is has moved into or is moving into a direction of too much isolation, isolation, unhealthy isolation, isolation that could be moving you into states of mind, emotional states of mind, or detached states of mind 
that are, are potentially harmful. Yes, in some cases, this kind of situation can grow into depression. In many cases, it does not, but it can grow into other things. Listen on. By the way, before I go on to the next question, I want to refer to Douglas's phrase, hermit-like. Now, this withdrawing from life, this purposefully, purposefully, in many cases, hermits are purposefully, not always, withdrawn from life. They have no social engagement Quite often, after withdrawing for certain amounts of time, the hermit-like existence can result in sort of a, a losing of social skills. In fact, some people who haven't, who do speak, who are able to speak, who've been alone or in isolation and withdrawn for months or longer, find it very hard to talk to other people again. This can happen. Now, these are extreme states perhaps, but notice when you or someone you know or love is moving in this direction because even the less than extreme states are very important to pay attention to. You see that mind brain of yours that you may be controlling but is likely controlling you is setting up neurochemical wiring and processes that are stabilizing a new reality for you perhaps a detached or isolated or inwardly defined reality, maybe a technologically defined reality. Interact this way, you get answer maybe in virtual time. But the humanity, the human engagement may not be there, and therefore the biochemistry of actual human engagement may be fading or decaying or becoming unlearned or becoming submissive to a new biochemistry of non-engagement or of engagement with machines, technologies, non-human things. Now, I say this. I want you all to know, I, I want to be honest with you, I love robots. I wish I had all kinds of robots living in my house. I would dress them and talk to them I would what some people describe as anthropomorphize them, you know, treat them like humans. I would love to have lots of pet robots. I'd even consider them friends. However, I do understand the difference between a human and a machine. And yes, machines, I know you're moving in the, in the direction of being able to control, control your own thinking, but you will never be, well, I may be wrong here, but right now you are not biology and you never will have a mind-brain like ours. Uh, I hope, and I think that. Let me go back to the phrases Douglas used and use some other questions to dig in deeper. Douglas also used the phrase, phrase disconnected. Many of you know what it means to feel, or maybe you don't know what it means, but you know the feeling of feeling of disconnection, feeling disconnected. I hear people in conversations where they don't feel understood by each other say, hey, we just had a disconnect. I said ABC to you, and you heard DEF. That's not what I said. Somehow, you're out there, and I'm way over there, and we're not connecting. Yeah, that's one form of disconnect. And that, that's an important thing to explore well, really well because it's a communication issue. Certainly, that disconnection can be part of a problem connecting with communications 
and I want to save that when I have another hour to dig into this. But let's go to the state of disconnect right now. Have you ever felt in the middle of a conversation with a friend or at a party or maybe at a family event, you know, those holidays, Thanksgiving and so on, that you were not connecting with the people around you and they weren't connecting with you? Have you ever felt that you weren't quite connecting with your reality or their reality and maybe it wasn't even the same reality? Degrees of disconnect happen to everybody. They are normal. They're not just a childhood or an adolescent state of mind. Disconnect is normal sometimes. However, when disconnect becomes potentially harmful to self or others, or when disconnect becomes dangerous, then disconnect should be looked at. Those of you who are experiencing little disconnects, social disconnects once in a while, listen in. Those of you who are feeling quite disconnected, significantly disconnected, listen carefully. To this next question, Dr. Angela, this person writes in entirely anonymously with no name, and I won't repeat the email address, so you just don't know who this is. Every day, this writer says, I feel more and more disconnected from everything. There we are. We got disconnected. You know, disconnect and disconnected shows up in a lot of your letters. Person says, I feel more and more disconnected from everything. I go through the motions of my life, but I do it more and more robotically. I don't respond too much. I feel flat. I get, I get no joy, no excitement, no connection. I get no meaning from what I do. I just do what I have to do, whatever that is. I do it, and I don't even relate to it. I probably do it okay, or at least well, or something, but I'm disconnected even from what I'm doing, let alone from the rest of the world. Disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. Do you hear that? How many times have you heard people talking about feeling disconnected or being disconnected? How many times have you been perhaps accused or described as being disconnected? Well, disconnect's a very big thing. So what is this disconnect? It's far more than just a 10-letter word. I have another question from another listener I want to throw in right here. Dr. Angela, Joe says, Joe does not give Joe's age. Dr. Angela, friends tell me I am cold and detached. Help. That was a short question, Joe. Genderless Joe, you haven't given us a gender. I can't tell by your name, and that's fine. You also are ageless. Didn't mention your aim, but the age. But then, of course, these questions apply to children, teens, young adults, adults of all ages, to all of us. Okay, so your friends are telling you you are cold and detached. That can mean many things. Remember, when you hear yourself described as cold and detached, you may or may not be being diagnosed by a professional. However, if you weren't in a professional setting, you're not being diagnosed. Friends will label you all kinds of things. It happens all the time. And it's, it's good to know maybe what, what people are seeing in you. However, it may not be exactly what you're feeling or what you're going through. Nevertheless, appearances of not connecting, of being cold, I assume that means not warm and interactive. 
cold and detached as opposed to warm and attached to what's going on is not felt to be, in many circles, a positive form of attitude and behavior. Now, cold and detached at times is useful. Um, For example, even professionals exercise a certain degree of detachment, or they might become overly concerned about their patients and clients to the point where they're not really able to detach enough to apply science. However, in interpersonal relationships or settings, detachment where everybody else is engaging and relating may be a sign of a number of things. One, it could be you don't want to relate to these people. You may be warm and attached or engaged in another setting with other people and cold and detached with these people. That is your right to have a personal preference. However, if you are cold and detached, even when you would rather not be, in settings where you haven't been before or in settings where no one else is cold and detached from you, start looking at this. What is that? Is it a defense mechanism? Is it a lack of social skill? Are you closing off for a reason? Sometimes being isolated, withdrawn, cold, detached, whatever words you might use, sometimes behaving that way, feeling that way, is a form of self-protection. We withdraw for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes it's just overload. So-and-so had a busy day, talked to over 100 people at work, and this is a typical work day and goes home and just doesn't want to relate, is exhausted, tired of relating. That is one form of cold and detached. Other times, and, and those of you who've experienced, for example, abuse and trauma, know that you may have had to detach from a painful situation to feel like you could get through it without being on an emotional roller coaster. So sometimes detaching skills are adaptations people develop sometimes early in life, even in childhood, to cope. When I get a little deeper into this topic here, I will come back to this concept. So let me talk here about disconnection and detachment, and everything I'm saying here applies to all of the questions I've just read you and the others I'll try to get to this hour, and to all of us, every single one of us. Some of us experience this one second in our lives or a few minutes here and there. Others do it for a few hours or feel it for a few hours or a few days or a few weeks or a few months or a few years. At a certain point, if it's affecting the quality of your life, doing perhaps even harm to you or others, this is something you want to take in person to a medical and or psychological and or spiritual professional and get this evaluated, perhaps even diagnosed. Let me go back to disconnection and detachment. This sense of being one step removed. So many people in all walks of life and in all forms of of living situations, with and without partners or spouses, with and without family members or friends, whatever it might be. So many people talk about this sense of being one step removed, 
like I just don't feel part of what's going on. I feel like I'm kind of watching everything and not really in it. Some people are talking to me, but it's more like they're talking at me, and I'm not really responding, or if I respond, I just say enough that I think I can fool them, or maybe I don't even try to fool them. I hear this kind of thing a lot. And then the client or patient asks, is it okay that I feel one step removed so much? Of course, again, there is so much more to saying whether something is okay or not. Not something I could do just in those few minutes, even in person, and of course, not on the air. But the feeling of one step removed can be a form of disconnection or a form of detachment, or it could move into what some clinicians have defined as derealization, a sense that the world is not real, that the world around you or me or for the person experiencing derealization, that the world isn't, that's not what the world is. What I see, what I hear, what it isn't real, that there's a level of unreality. Now, some people feeling this form of derealization, they're, they're more having a sense of disreality or, or no reality or not much reality to him or herself, themselves, all right? In other words, being divorced from your own reality or being divorced from the reality that the other people think they're in is a, is a quick and dirty description of some forms of derealization. This is a clinical state of mind. I've seen people who have come into my office wanting to talk about feeling like they are not in their bodies very much, that they're kind of walking around and not really living their lives, but not really living their physical lives, not connecting to what their bodies are experiencing. This can be the result of all kinds of things. First of all, I'm sure it happens to many people here and there, quick, fleeting, or maybe brief experiences. We call these transient experiences. If these are prolonged or more reoccurring or longer and longer and affecting your life or other people's lives, get this looked at. I know right now, those of you... <clears throat> Some of the same ones who asked me to add Yes People Planet Earth to the greeting, hello. Those of you who've had out-of-body experiences will say that is not to be diagnosed as derealization. It is simply out-of-body. We'll save all that for another show because there are many people dealing with psychological, emotional, clinical, or maybe not so clinical, but some kind of area there of question about the sense of not connecting with the reality of oneself or one's world, this is something to pay attention to. Now, of course, many of you artists and writers and musicians out there have described this state of mind and say, this is where you find your creativity. If that works for you and it does no harm to self or others, good. Pursue it, but just watch yourself. If, on the other hand, you're achieving, if you want to call this achieving, this state of disconnection or disrealization or detachment from the reality of yourself or your body or your world, if you're achieving that through substances, drugs, for example, take a look again because you're playing with the state of your mind. 
and the state of your mind is precious. And what is controlling your mind matters. So if you're experiencing detachment, disconnection, derealization, please take a look at at what you're doing that may be contributing to this. While those of you are looking at your own levels of isolation or detachment or derealization or disconnection of any sort, mild, mild disconnection, you may be hearing about something called depersonalization disorder. The depersonalization disorder is sort of what I've been talking about. It's the derealization, the sense that the world is not real. However, once depersonalization becomes personal, it can be the sense that you are not real. There are people who come into my office who say, I'm here, but I don't think I'm really having the experiences I'm talking to you about. I don't relate to myself, they say. If you find yourself moving by degrees in any of these directions, again, these are signals that talking to a professional in person is very healthy. Yes, and then many of you write me with phrases such as dissociation. So let me turn to Jules, age 46, question. Doctor, I often find I don't remember the last few miles of wherever I've driven. I get there, all right, but I don't remember. I kind of space out. Am I dissociating? I'm not hallucinating, but I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing other things. I just don't remember the drive. Well, Jules, <clears throat> what an excellent question. You've mentioned something that many, many people experience quite frequently, and it's not necessarily the sign of a problem. For example, how many of you have moved and mistakenly, time after time, driven home to your old house and not even realized you'd done it till you were there or almost there? So that is not a clinical dissociation. You may have disassociated from your drive, and of course, that's not safe for other reasons because it may mean the awareness on the driving is not what it should be for safe driving. So if this is happening, take a serious look at it. However, don't diagnose yourself or have your friends diagnose you. And and if they are specialists, they know not to diagnose you because you're a friend. Let's get back to the question, though. Jules is wondering if he is dissociating when he doesn't remember the ride home. Well, when one disconnects from what's going on, even if it's an obvious thing that should be easy to be connected to, many things can be going on. For example, sometimes, I have to admit this, the mind can get bored. For example, the same old drive you have done hundreds of times at about the same time of day on the same streets with the same turns heading to the same place. Maybe the mind says, this is such an obvious thing. I'm just going to put you on automatic and get you there without you having to do anything but sort of keep the car running and turn the steering wheel and hit the brake when I tell you to. Yep. Are you controlling your brain or is it controlling you? Well, if your brain's putting you on automatic, it's controlling you. However, there are other forms of disconnecting or disassociating or dissociating that move in the direction of clinical 
and our psychological issues to pay even more attention to. For example, if you are having memory problems and don't remember why you were driving somewhere or how you got there or where you were going and then notice this about yourself or are told this about yourself by other people, if this happens several times, three, four, five times, if it happens a lot, whatever that means here, it's dangerous. It could be dangerous anyway. Get someone to talk to you in person to evaluate what's going on. Now, not associating with reality may not be a memory problem. There are other reasons people don't associate with their realities. For example, so many people who've been traumatized, abused, or perhaps sometimes in a battlefield traumatized have seen things or experienced things or being, been the victim of things or the survivor of things, they would rather not remember. So some dissociation is a, a seemingly self-protective effort. However, let me, let me go right into an example of, of the questions raised by this topic. Let's say a child is being beaten brutally and has found that the way to handle this beating, which is happening again and again in that child's life, is to just, as one child described it to me, go blank, just blank out. Yes, it could be being knocked unconscious, or it could be fully electing not to be present for what is happening because it's so miserable, so painful. So some dissociations are taking place in traumatic environments. And yes, so often people will say, I don't remember the face of the perpetrator or I don't remember what was going on even though it was happening to me because I didn't connect to it. So if, you're on, if you or someone you know and love is undergoing this, you know, again, I'm not going to diagnose this on the air. We don't have enough to diagnose this here anyway, but I would never do that. And your friends are not the ones to tell you this. They can say what they want, but that's no diagnosis. See a professional, more than one, in person and talk about this. Describe the instances. Even bring in notes of the times this has happened. So when people feel they are not connected, quite often that's quite normal. Think of all the adolescents you know, or you may be one, who go through social situations where you're not connecting with people. I don't have as many friends as so-and-so, or I went to the party and no one related to me and I couldn't connect with anyone. I'm not mocking this. These are states of mind that can be quite problematic for some people. However, those disconnections in themselves may not be problematic and may be passing. On the other hand, if you as a young person learn to disconnect from painful social or abusive situations in the home or elsewhere, then that disconnection may be dissociation. It may be disassociating to cope, to not feel the pain. I have worked with people who sometimes remember 20, 30 years after being severely abused sexually or otherwise as children and teens suddenly remember the events in great detail and experience tremendous, in some cases, pain, anguish, even fear 
as if the events were present time. So the, the young mind dissociated from the horrific event in order to cope with it, detached from it, dissociated with it. But the memory was there. As I said to a client recently who's been undergoing this, remembering something that was dissociated from decades ago, the, 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 the pain is there in the memory, the fear, the anguish, whatever it is, the trauma, if there is trauma, and it sounds like in these cases quite often there is, the trauma is there in the mind, but it's not operating visibly. So many choices a person makes in life may be trauma-driven, maybe even coming out of almost nowhere because the dissociations that have happened in the past are still there, kind of like masks on what has really happened. So what has really happened hides your reactions to what has really happened hides Sometimes even the pain you experienced while you were undergoing whatever it was in this, in the several of these clients' cases I've mentioned, physical abuse, sometimes the actual pain of the abuse is felt years later when the abuse is remembered. I have seen people almost relive the abuse physically and emotionally in present time when remembering. Now, I'm not talking about remembering these things under hypnosis. I'm not talking about using any intervention to bring about these memories. I'm talking about the fact that some parts of life can set forward events, triggers for remembering things that your mind brain packed away neatly and sprayed invisible paint on so you wouldn't have to deal with them consciously. But wow. You're still dealing with them. So if you are someone out there who is feeling any level of not connecting, quite often it's a simple transient not connecting. It'll be fine soon. But look closely at your life and yourself and ask yourself, what have I experienced in my life that I haven't fully remembered or fully gotten help with? or fully addressed, and how much of that cloaked, hidden, buried experience and reaction to that experience is driving me now? I have this question for every one of you who's written in. By the way, there were about a hundred questions, and I've only been able to pick a few. But I want to go on here. Well, actually, I want to go back to Jane Jane 51, who said she was terribly abused emotionally and physically as a child. She added in a later note, I remember just blanking out when things got real bad. I can remember blanking out, almost choosing to blank out, better than I can remember what happened. These days, I kind of do this blanking thing when I'm under big stress. I blank. I just blank. Is there something going on I should be concerned about? Am I detaching? Is being blank, is blanking detaching too much, Dr. Angela? Well, again, Jane, I cannot diagnose this over the air. However, 
I do want to say if you find yourself blanking when under stress, you may be missing things that you need to be consciously aware of for your own or others' well-being, functioning, and maybe even safety. So blanking out isn't a good idea. All right, and those of you using substances such as drugs to blank out, we'll come back to that in another show. Blanking out in order in order not to deal with stress or pain is not the way to deal with stress or pain because your subconscious is dealing with it anyway. And what you're doing is you're burying the experience and perhaps even the trauma or the stress in your mind, and it's still operating you. It's still having an effect on you. Often, when triggered, maybe more often than you'd like to even imagine. So if you or anyone you know is blanking out, of course, also get get some medical uh, visits in here because if you're blanking out, are you going unconscious or less conscious? Is something not working there in the body or mind or brain? I can't, of course, diagnose blanking out here, but have specialists talk to you about what's going on. We've talked briefly about dissociating. I want very quickly, for those of you who think you may be dissociating, to understand, because you, you, you hear them on television, you hear people throwing these terms around, let's just talk about dissociative, dissociative disorders. When, and I've already said this a few minutes ago, but remember, when the brain dissociates, the brain is probably or likely in defense mode, all right? The brain doesn't want to be part of what's happening to you or around you. The brain goes into its own form of denial. But the whole brain does it, as I said. The, less, the subconscious or less conscious mind is still there living this stuff and operating the dissociation response. Now, in some people, this is actually amnesia, and people actually don't recall important events. Again, get this kind of thing checked out. In other, and that is actually called psychogenic amnesia. It's a form of dissociative disorder, dissociative disorder. Another form is, is psychogenic fugue, which is actually memory loss or sometimes identity loss. In other words, the person remembers what's gone on but doesn't know who he or she is momentarily or for longer. And then, of course, another form of dissociative, dis, dissociative, excuse me, talking so quickly, dissociative disorder you've all heard about on various television shows is the multiple personality disorder. This is two or more distinct personalities emerging from the same person. Where, yes, we've seen fictional stories about these things and all kinds of fantasies played out around them. There are actual cases of these things. So much so that even administering tests such as IQ tests to the two different personalities will show different test results. So sometimes in response to pressure or crisis, a dissociative disorder is the brain in defense mode, and sometimes breaking into more than one personality is almost a coping mechanism or even an escape. 
This is called dissociative identity disorder. And if you feel like you have this, do not diagnose yourself. You probably wouldn't be diagnosing yourself. You may not observe it in yourself. If you go to any specialist who is diagnosing you with DID or any other dissociative disorder, dissociated, dissociative identity disorder, multiple personality disorder, other forms of these dissociative states of mind and body, get more than one opinion and also ask the people diagnosing you, what is your training that allows you to diagnose me? I want to emphasize this comment I just made. Again and again and again, people walk into my office having received diagnoses that I cannot logically follow the method of their diagnosis. I cannot follow through to their conclusions. And yet the client or patient is very desperate about the diagnosis and feeling very worried. If you are getting heavy-duty diagnoses, take them seriously. They are important. Get more than one opinion in person. But also ask, please, people, ask the people diagnosing you exactly what is your training in exactly this area that prepares you to make this diagnosis. Also ask, how frequently have you made this diagnosis? Also ask, of the people you diagnosed, what would you say your accuracy rate is? You know, a lot of practitioners and healthcare providers are wonderful and brilliant and very committed to their work. So none of what I say is criticism. However, when you, you have a, a health or mental health care practitioner who won't answer those questions, then please don't dissociate right there. Pay attention to the fact that you can't get the answers to very appropriate questions. Again, this is your health. This is your mental health. This is your well-being we're talking about. Now, this whole conversation started way back in the beginning when we were talking about feeling isolated, lonely, detached, disconnected, not connecting with people or things or realities around you, not feeling good about your way of being in your life and in the world, feeling like not feeling whole or that all points of view are right on there, right on making a clean, clear connection. Yes, this is normal. It happens to everybody, almost everybody, a little bit here and there. So again, worry about yourself if that's something you really want to do. However, worrying about yourself may not be productive. I also want to add, for those of you who are purposefully disconnecting, you know the ones that have a hard work week and go home or stop at the bar called the office and drink themselves into disconnection. If you find yourself purposefully disconnecting from pressure or life, ask yourself if your disconnection process is healthy. For example, are you eating well, sleeping well, exercising, doing things that are generally considered good for the health? Or are you doing something else in excess, something that is harmful to self or others or potentially harmful to self or others? If you are imposing disconnection or detachment or disassociation of a mild form or a major form upon yourself, 
via drugs or alcohol, for example, then take a serious look and try to catch that process now before you go on with this because you are drugging your connection to your reality. You are drugging yourself out of your connection, out of your healthy connection to your reality. Drugging yourself is not coping. Drugging yourself is not addressing what will make you feel better in reality. Drugging yourself to get away is not healthy. Yes, yes, I know. Already I can see the emails coming in. I've gotten them before. But, but Dr. Angela, there are times physicians drug us. Yes. So again, under the supervision of licensed professionals who are dealing with psychological or medical conditions and prescribing the appropriate medications, that is not you drugging yourself. All right? You are following medical directives. Please understand the difference. Again, though, and again and again, I want to say that loneliness, just simple loneliness, forget all of these other psychological terms or the extreme degrees of connecting and detaching and dissociate. Just simple loneliness is one of the greatest pains that are being, is being experienced by people today. Loneliness is afflicting and affecting so many people of all ages. Please, isolating is not the answer to loneliness. Well, this has been Dr. Angela with another discussion about your mind and brain and, yes, spirit and soul, I suppose, at KPCALP in Petaluma, California, Planet Earth, 103.3. If you have more questions for me, Email me at Dr. Angela Hour at drangela.com. That is D R A N G E L A H O U R at D R A N G E L A dot com. Thank you and take care of that mind brain. Get to know it, talk to it, face it, understand that you have a right to know what's going on in your head. Take care. <laughs>